Hey, we are in a series called Eyewitness News, and it's uh, really a study in the book of Mark. We called it Eyewitness News because Mark seems to go from one big event to another, and he doesn't take a lot of time to stop and talk about the detail. How many of you guys appreciate that? You know, I, 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 I sometimes want to get to the bottom line, but that's kind of how Mark writes. He just says it and moves on, and some of the other gospel writers fill in the blanks for us when we don't know for sure what happened next or the sequence, but that's kind of what we're doing. We're looking at some of these moments. I have a question for you today. I've called this uh, message today, Going With Which Flow? Going With Which Flow? Because there's a pattern in your life that can be the standard of the world that you use to live your life or the godly standard that's written in this book. Walking by the Spirit. What does it mean to be prayerful? What does it mean to have God honored in all of my decisions? Not just my 10-minute devotional. But how do we walk in the Spirit? The Bible says pray without ceasing. How are we supposed to be able to do that? Um, so here's my question. Do you pray? Just shake your head yes or no. Okay, most of you are saying that you do pray. Why? Do you think it helps? How many of you can honestly say, God does everything you tell him to do? <laughs> we, see, it, it's, it gets complicated because I believe in prayer, and I hope you do, and I pray, and I hope you do. I think it changes me more than it changes God. There's a connection that happens in my spirit, man, when I'm awakened through my time in devotion with God. I'm a, I'm a morning person. I love the early morning. I like to get up and go in my study and make some coffee and just talk with God. And he's never talked to me audibly. Thank goodness. That would freak me out, I think. Um, but, but I honestly can feel sometimes like, like he really is letting me discern things or have a sense about things that I'm praying about. I, 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 I do that. I hope you do that. Um, prayer really does matter. As I look at Jesus' life, if he's going to pray, then why wouldn't we? So that's kind of where we're going with Mark chapter 1 today. So the first thing I want you to write down, if you have a bulletin, follow along on the back, is this. Living with prayerful focus. What does it mean to live with a prayerful kind of a focus in my life where everything I do, everything that is filtered through my mind is being presented to God? Can I walk that way? Can I trust God to help me in moments like that? Mark 1, verse 35 says this. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. One verse, very simple, yet very complex. Now to bring you up to speed, if you weren't here last week, Jesus has had great success in a little village People have been healed, they've been changed, they've been transformed, and the disciples slip away, and they are probably just staying there on the hillside, they're camping out, they're enjoying life, uh, they might be in someone's home, and Jesus gets up early and leaves. Now, in a moment, you're going to see the disciples wake up, and they don't know where he's gone, and they're very perplexed about it. It's funny, I love this story, it's a great story. But the Bible says that Jesus got up and he went to an isolated place. Why do you think it was an isolated place? He, he wanted to be alone. There's something about you and God 
in an isolated place where you can't be disturbed, that is pretty special. If Jesus is going to model that for us, then we should probably take it seriously. And he went there to pray. He's about to make a pretty big decision about where he's going next. I don't know what he prayed about. I don't know. Sometimes we sort of romanticize the prayer life of Jesus. I have a picture that I found. That It's a great picture. If you have this in your living room, I like the picture, okay? But, I mean, look, he's just like perfect. He's looking up at the Father. He's got this nice flowing hair that was just shampooed this morning. And he's got his hands folded. His fingers are interlocked. I, I kind of have a feeling that how many of you realize it might not have looked like that at all? He might have just been walking. What if, what if he was actually angry at the Father? What if he was frustrated and he was venting? Do you ever vent when you pray? I do. What if he was having a moment where he's just trying to understand one of the disciples like Peter? You know, what if, I don't know. We don't know what he was praying about, but I do have an idea it was about what was going to happen next in his life. It was about getting ready for this day. It was about celebrating this moment. And so there's a lot of ways we can pray. I want to just give you an idea of what some people said about prayer. Some of our team members went and walked around Old Town Take a look at this short video. Hey, Timberline, we are in Old Town Square on a beautiful afternoon, and we'd like to find out what people think about prayer. Let's go find out. My definition of prayer. Uh, prayer is uh, communication with God, and if you're doing a good job of it, you're listening more than you're talking. What did you pray for when you were a little kid? Toys, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I listed out my family members' names and prayed for my family and friends. Yeah. I, I prayed for a lot of things, for good luck and all that stuff. I think I'm the same way. Um, growing up going to a Catholic school my whole life, it was a lot of prayer, so praying for a lot of things, but mainly family. I don't know. I guess for a happy family. I am really the wrong person to ask these questions. <laughs> Um, as an adult, it's more of a conversation, a two-way conversation. As a child, it was probably just a ritual. As a child, I prayed for things like, I really want my friend to come over this Saturday. I hope she can come over this Saturday. As an adult, I pray more for give me clarity, give me peace, things like that. Bigger, bigger things in life. When I was a kid, um, I prayed for my mom to help me and my brothers being a single parent. You know, I would pray for the normal toys and stuff, but uh, generally overall, I, I think I'm fortunate not having to ask for a lot. A lot was given to me. What are your expectations when you pray? I don't always know if it's going to be, my prayers are going to be answered right away, you know, and that's not what I expect, but I, it's just, it's comforting for me. No, no expectation at all just for you know, little signs that the Lord, you know, listens, which they're everywhere, so no expectations at all. Comfort. Um, yeah, pretty much comfort, the same thing. I don't know. Guidance. Um, I would be lying if I said not. I think usually I probably do have an expectation, even though I don't think I always should um, place an expectation on God. I think he always answers. It may not be in the way that I want to hear or in the timing that I want to hear, but he always answers. I think prayer, you know, gives you a lot and it lets you down a lot. But um, 
I think most expectations is um, some kind of answer, some kind of result. You know what's really interesting is that very few people, when you ask them the question about prayer, say they don't pray. You know, because uh, when, you, when you have enough pain or suffering in your life, everybody prays at some point, right? Atheists learn how to pray. And, and so it's really a challenging thing. And I think uh, this whole message, this whole passage with Jesus praying in this isolated place and getting ready for his day should encourage us to not be afraid to spend some time talking with God, just in relationship. Um, I hope you pray. Prayer before big decisions. I always, Bonnie and I take the time to, if we're making a big decision about life, um, we pray for our kids every single day, call them by name and ask God to, to lead them and guide them and use their life. We pray, I pray for Timberline every day and, uh, and many of you. I just think it's important to have that, that connect. And so don't be afraid if you're a business owner, um, don't be afraid to lay your business at the feet of Jesus. Wherever you work, the people you work with, let it be something that comes naturally out of you to where you can say, this is big. I need your guidance about the decisions that, that I need to make. So enough on that. Let's go to the second point. Living with a healthy identity. Living with a healthy identity. I am shocked at how important this one is. And if I don't live with a healthy identity, I'm going to make some big mistakes in most of the decisions that I have to make in my life. So let's talk about this. Verse 36, later Simon, who was, was later called Peter, okay, and the others went to find him. I personally think Peter was leading the way. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Okay, now I want you to get this story in your mind. They wake up, Jesus is gone. It's almost like I can hear Peter saying, guys, get up. Jesus is gone. Where did he go? And we got to find him. They know that the crowds have assembled in the, in the village. They know the lions are there. I wonder what tone they used when they said this to Jesus. Was it sort of a big eyes, loud tone? Like, everyone is looking for you. Was it kind of a tone that was worried and frustrated? Like, dude, where are you? Where did you go? Why did you leave us? Or was it sort of a proud, arrogant um, kind of thing with success in their eyes? Like, everyone is looking for you. Let's go sell some books. Let's go make a movie. You're famous. You're popular. Everybody wants to touch you, Jesus. Let's go. I don't know what the tone was, but I know that Jesus was not impressed that people were lined up to see him. He had been spending time with his father, and he was about to make an amazing decision to walk away from the crowds. How do you do that? That's not the norm. I'll tell you how you do it. You do it because he knew that his mission was more important than his acceptance. And when you can live that way where your mission is more important than having someone like you or believe in you, you're going to be a kingdom changer. And, and that's the kind of people God uses. I, I read a, let's see if I have that in here. I don't have it in my notes, but I think I have it right here handy. Listen, this is a Dear Abby letter. And this, this is pretty touching. It's very sad. It says, Dear Abby, my boyfriend has proposed. I love him very much, but I'm worried about my kids. I look at his children. His son is 23, barely made it out of high school. He got a girl pregnant at 17, has been in jail a few times. He's also an alcoholic. 
His 15-year-old daughter is immature for her age and is constantly getting into trouble at school. Their mother is an alcoholic and a drug user. Are my concerns for my children valid? Now, when I, when I first read that, I almost could get sarcastic, like, you think? You know, there's this thing, but, but now I'm having this realization that this is a, this is a really hurting, wounded person. And, and she's going to Dear Abby for counsel because the lines are so blurred, she doesn't have the ability to have clarity with what to so many would feel or seem obvious, Right? But sometimes when you're in the middle of a storm, it is not so obvious. Would you agree? That's why, that's why we live to help and try to provide counsel and love and prayers for people who don't have clarity at the moment. I've been confused before where I didn't know how to make the right decision. My heart goes out to people like that. Some of you are there today. Your self-image could be so twisted that you can't see anything good. You can't see how God would ever use you came across a little pic that I want to put up on the screen. It's this, this person looking in the mirror. And it's a skinny person seeing a not-so-skinny image. And they're looking in the mirror, and, and what they really see in the mirror isn't what they really are. And so many times in life, we get this perspective. We, we don't really see how God views us. We don't have his picture and we put all of our physical imperfections and issues and challenges and emotional baggage, we put all of that in a filter that doesn't allow us to see ourselves the way God sees us. Do you have an accurate assessment of who you are? Simon becomes Peter, shifting sand to someone called the rock. Why? Because Jesus gave him a new identity. And that's what Jesus wants to do with us. He wants to somehow help us to believe. So let me just give you some advantages of a healthy identity. I'll just bullet through these four things real fast. Number one, if you have a healthy identity, a, a positive self-image in a healthy way, you, you're going to live at peace with yourself. You, you really are. It doesn't mean you'll never be troubled or, or you won't go through challenges, but you'll have a deep peace that comes from God because you like who you are. Not a proud, arrogant like, but you'll just be satisfied and content to be the person God has called you to be. That's so important. The Bible says, love your neighbor as your self. Does it do an injustice to that verse to turn it over and say, that really could also be saying that if you don't like yourself, you're really not going to have the capacity to like your neighbor. I think that that's what it is saying. So there's such a thing as a real positive self-image that allows us to love others because we're okay in our own skin. And that's why Jesus came. He wants us to have that. So uh, number two is you avoid the comparison games. You know, I, I think, I think it, this is just huge in our culture. You know, you see someone, you, you measure them up by, you know, are they taller, shorter, bigger? Do they make more money, less money? Just, there's all these comparisons. And when you compare yourself to someone else, you lose. You lose either way because if they have more than you or they're better at something than you, then you feel diminished, you feel less, and God doesn't see you as less. You just have different gifts. If you look at someone and you're better at something than them, then you feel good about yourself based on where they are, not based on your fullest potential. And that's, that's, that means you lose also. 
So there's no reason for us as people walking around on this earth to get into this comparison game. If you can say, God, I like how you made me. I wish you could have done a few things different. How many of you would agree with that? Um, but I'm okay. I'm okay with who I am in you. My identity is not about self. It's about having it in you. Being you is enough. And number three, you will enjoy the accomplishments and the gifts of other people. You know, when you, when you have a, a positive self-image and when you say, I like myself, I'm comfortable with who I am, you can be a cheerleader for somebody. You can honestly say, go get them. You're making a difference. I love how you do that. Wow, you're good at that. You are so gifted. Instead of, well, I could do that if I had been given that. Well, if I was raised like that or if I had that much money or if I, instead of going into that mode, you are able to just release people to shine. What a wonderful world we would have if we could release people to go be after the stuff that God's called them to do. You agree? What a difference that makes. Number four, you will achieve for the right reasons. You'll achieve, you'll be an achiever for the right reasons. And that's huge. Your motive is different when you're okay with who you are. Because have you ever heard the term overachiever? And there's nothing wrong with being an overachiever, but sometimes it comes out of insecurity and the need to do more and the need to be noticed and the need to prove who I am. And you guys, all of us have some level of this in our lives. There's no doubt about it. But as we walk in God and we live prayerfully and we walk in the spirit, we really don't have to play that game. We can achieve because we can excel at the stuff God opens the doors to. And we can run through those doors and be ambassadors for the kingdom for the right reasons. So it's really important that we get that right. Number three in your outline is this. Jesus was living with resolve. I love the word resolve because it's just like set your jaw and make a decision and go after it. Don't hold anything back. Verse 38 says it like this. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Now, you guys, this is just not natural in human terms. Here is the Lord who has a village in an uproar looking for him, wanting him back, where he could go and have a crowd and maybe take the whole town. And he looks at his disciples and says, that's nice that they want me back. Everybody's looking for me, but we're not going back. We're going to some new towns where they don't know us and they might stone us. <laughs> Good luck with that. Jesus has a resolve that doesn't just take the easy road. When we live with resolve, we are able to let character, integrity, and purpose set the track, set the course for us. And boy, when you don't live with resolve, everything's going to pull on you. And you will take the easiest, easiest path. It's like water. It always finds the lowest place. And, and you, can just, you can just pour water up here. And if you kept pouring it, it would eventually find the lowest places in the room. And it would puddle there. And sometimes people live that way. Where is the place of less, uh, least resistance? And God has not called us to live like that. Let's live with resolve. Jesus was able to have that 32,000-foot flyover view to say there's more than just this moment. Some of you are having a moment right now, a little season right now. There's more in your life and in your future than this moment, than this issue, than this challenge. 
Get a bigger picture of where God is taking you and trust him. The last one that I want to talk about is just living with determination. Once you set your jaw, once there's resolve, Jesus was able to carry out the task because he was determined to go all the way. Look at verse 39. So Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. He didn't go back to that village. He did what he said he was going to do in order that the kingdom of God might be preached. He was determined. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember this? The greatest hour of anguish in his life when he says, oh, I'm not sure about this cup. The sin of the world will be upon me. Lord, if there's any, you know, Father, if there's any other way. And then he says, not my will, but thine be done. What a, what a, a great picture for us to live with determination. There's a picture that I came across that just kind of said something for me. <laughs> Does that look impossible to you? I mean, it's just a crazy picture. And sometimes we feel like we have the weight of the world on us, don't we? Sometimes we feel like we're trying to just do all the pushing. I want to just tell you something. You do not have to push that boulder alone. Sometimes it feels like you do, and you should be determined to never give up trying. But when you walk with God, you have a partner who can move the stones. You have a partner who can do the things that go beyond your physical abilities to do. That's why prayer is not so much physical as it is emotional and spiritual. And we offer our lives to God. We gain by giving up. And, and less is more. And suddenly there's a God factor in our lives that changes everything. And I have to have that determination to press into God, to hear his voice, to know what he's talking about. I want that in my life. I want it for you. I came across a quote in studying for this that I don't know if I like it that much yet, but I'm going to run it by you, okay? So here it is. Christian Bovis said, A failure establishes only this, that our determination to succeed was not strong enough. What do you think? It's interesting, isn't it? Because, I don't know, it seems like I've failed sometimes not because I, of lack of determination. I don't know. I don't know if you have, but, but it made me think, and, and it's, it's caused me to stop. I, I'm, I'm going to add a word to it to put it in, in my terms. I think I could say this better. A failure establishes only this, that our godly determination to succeed was not strong enough. Because if I can rest in the fact that what I am pursuing is what came from God's heart, not just my selfish desires, then I should never give up. I'm not going to quit. And, and we are those people who say, God, we will pursue with a passion the very things that you have put before us to pursue. It doesn't matter what I have to face. I look at the life of Joseph. I mean, this guy, what he went through with his family, ending up in prison because of a lie. And, and I just thought he, he just kept believing. He just stayed faithful to God. He just stayed pure of heart. And sometimes that's what we are called to do, living a prayerful life, walking in the flow of godliness and God's stuff rather than just this secular view of this world where we live and then we die. Let's have a life in between. I was so blessed last night, and I won't say names, but a guy came up to me and he, his eyes were a little watery and he said, could you pray for me? I said, sure. He said, been divorced for a couple of years and my ex-wife and I are, are talking again, 
and we're actually trying to put God at the center and we're actually thinking about what it might be like to, to get married again. I love it when a divorce doesn't work out. <laughs> you know, those of you that have been through divorce, you know the pain, the heartache, the suffering, my heart goes out to you truly. But it doesn't matter what life brought you, you can bring something to life through God and his spirit in you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the reality that you have said we can live this kind of a life that honors you, that glorifies your name, not because of selfish motives, but because of emptying out who we are and being filled with you. Help us to live prayerfully, moment by moment. We trust you. Lord, I know there are people in this room right now who aren't dreaming your dream. And I'm gonna ask them to respond and I pray you would put a dream in their heart that they would be able to see you clearly and know your voice. With heads bowed, if you know God wants to put a new dream in you, you're just, maybe you're just stuck, I don't know. But you need some, you need that, that resolve, that determination to say, I'm gonna trust God for my future. I don't know what it holds. Would you just lift your hand right now if you know the Spirit's talking to you about that? You, you can put them right back down. God bless you. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in this family today. We pray for strength. We pray for wisdom and guidance. You can give that. I pray that they would live with the kind of resolve you had, Lord, that you would press through, that you would not give up. Father, I pray that you would make a difference today. I want to pray secondly for those of you who have a, a horrible self-image. It's an image that you fight, you know the truth maybe, but it hinders you. It holds you back. I'm just going to ask you to offer that to God. You guys, we're living in a culture where young people are cutting themselves and taking poison and doing horrible things, burning themselves just because they hate who they are. It's terrible. And God loves you. He created you for so much more. If you, maybe you would never do any of those things, but you just know there's some, there's some work that you've got to do that God wants to make a deposit in you today to help lift you out of that place where sometimes the image you see in the mirror is not the true you. You need to see, have a God identity. Just hold up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Jesus, you see us, you know us. We all have had moments of struggle with this that's only real and normal, but Help us to overcome. Help us, God, to understand that there's nothing we could do that would make you love us more or put us in a greater place of value. That we are valued because we are your kids. You created us. You love us. Show us that our performance is not where we get our value. Lord, I do pray specifically that you would be the healer of the heart that is broken today. The person who was raised with such horrible words and environment that they've never believed that you could believe in them. Be strong in them today, God. Lastly, Lord, I just pray for those who need you. They're separated because of their own sin, their own doing. I just ask you now to be a God who brings forgiveness to their spirit and sets them free. If you know that's you, would you just pray this prayer as I lead you? Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. I believe today that you died on that cross for me and rose from the dead. I trust you 
Help me to forgive myself and move forward in your hand. Awaken this spiritual man in me, I pray. We love you, Lord. Help us to be ambassadors for your dreams, not just our own, for your glory. You are our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's conclude our time by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Would you join me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Our prayer team is going to come up here, and they'll be up here to pray with you about any of your needs. Get out of here and enjoy this glorious day, okay? Thanks for coming to Timberline. Have a great rest of your week.